LA, Georgia, Ohio, Florida, Mississippi, and throughout America, South America, the Caribbean islands, Africa, Asia, and all over the world. So return unto me, thus saith Yah, and I will return unto you, O my people. six states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people can turn this around Proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and with all that getting get an understanding again welcome to the program this evening with your host brother Elliot and brother Reggie the number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 215- Two five three seven two six three. That's two one five two five three seven two six three. The listen only line. If you don't have computer access, access to a smartphone, iPad, tablet, 
BlackBerry, any other device, is 605-562-3140. Again, that's 605-562-3140. And that access code is 958590 and the pound sign. Again, that access code is 958590 and pound. We're streaming live at two locations, www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. You can also uh, hit us up on the TuneIn app. Uh, it's a free app that you can download to your iPad, your tablet, or your desktop. And uh, just go to the search engine and, uh, and tune in and type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon, and you can listen live on your desktop, your BlackBerry, your iPad, even in your car. That's Time for Awakening with an app for the program on TuneIn. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Time for Awakening has a Facebook fan page. In the search engine of Facebook, type in Time for an Awakening. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by Brother Reg. And before you leave that page, hit that like button. It's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. Tonight, uh, the first hour, we have a special guest with us. Writer, educator, activist, and founder of Legali, a pan-African human rights organization that challenges the misrepresentation of African people, culture, and history. Brother Toyin Agbektu will be joining us from the UK. We'll be discussing what's going on in France and how it affects our people in both England and France from a black perspective. We've heard a lot of the popular media talk about these things from a European perspective. Let's get a perspective from somebody that's on the ground there, an activist, one of our brothers in the diaspora over there in England, Brother Toyin Abektu, will be joining us in the first hour of the program. The second hour of the program will be all yours. We've been open forum, discussing issues of the day or anything that's on your mind. We'll be right back to get things started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 
215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Are you one of the million conscious black people who believes that we have the collective wherewithal to affect real economic and political change? If so, band together in solidarity by joining the one million conscious black voters and contributors. Choose leadership that will work for the best interests of black people. We can no longer sit on the sidelines and expect things to change for the better without a significant number of black people playing a pivotal role in that effort. Will you be one of the million that recognizes that black dollars matter? Are you that person who believes it's time to leverage our votes for reciprocity from politicians? If so, then you should join the 1 million conscious black voters and contributors with members in 29 states and growing every day. We encourage you to sign up and help spread the word by sharing our website, IamOneOfTheMillion.com. That's IamOneOfTheMillion.com. Antiquity to the present. Our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening. Sundays, 7 p.m. with your hosts, Elliot and Reggie. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Before we get started this evening, I just want to make a uh, an announcement, uh, and then I'll turn thing uh, turn things over to Brother Reg. Just want to let you know again about uh, Time for Awakening Media. That will be launched very soon. We had a target date, and we're still looking forward to that target date. You'll be hearing about this within the next week or so. I just want to let you know that uh, it's in construction, and, to, and we're coming down home stretch. On the site, you'll see a lot of original content being posted, blogs, articles, podcasts of the show, black products that we use every day, and much much more so if you like what we do here at time for an awakening three things send us an email like our page and get ready for time for an awakening media which is coming down the pike very soon the hourglass is almost on empty and we'll be launching things very soon also you can go to you can go to www.gofundme.com forward slash time for an awakening that's www.gofundme.com forward slash time for an awakening if you want to donate to the program to what me and Brother Reg do get involved you can make a donation as little as $5 or as much as you want everything is appreciated again that's www.gofundme.com forward slash time for an awakening also, I want to thank uh, some of the guests that listened to the program, Time for Awakening. We were at the screening of the film Black Friday. 
uh, in the city of Philadelphia this evening, uh, well, this afternoon from 2 to 6, panel discussion afterwards. Very interesting documentary. Picked up my copy. You can pick up your copy also, and also you can join us at the One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors. You can go to the site, www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com, and do two things. Join up, see what everything is about, and also you can purchase the DVD straight from the site. Again, that's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. Brother Reg? Yes. Just touch a base with you. Any uh, things going on uh, before we, we're waiting on our guests to join us from across the, the uh, from overseas? But uh, anything going on in the uh, in the community that uh, we might be missing? www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's what's missing. That's what's there. If you don't know about it, better go to the website and find out. Get involved. Also, if you'd like to pick up the Black Friday documentary that uh, Brother Elliot and I went to today, you'll be able to find that on the, the one, IamOneOfTheMillion.com, One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors website. You'll be able to uh, purchase a copy of the doc- documentary uh, Black Friday, which was uh, very, very interesting. And... Uh, that's about it for uh, this evening. For me, as far as no community, no other uh, community uh, announcements. Well, probably because I want to touch on a few things uh, about the documentary and about the uh, the movement going on, and we'll probably do it in the second hour of the program when we go to open forum. We'll probably be joined by uh, Brother Ralph that might be calling in and joining the conversation. Uh, but tonight, special guest is joining us from uh, from England writer, educator, and activist, and founder of Legali, a pan-African human rights organization that challenges the misrepresentation of African people, culture, and history. Brother Toyin Abektu is joining us. Brother Toyin, are you there? Greetings, brothers. <laughs> um, can, can you hear me clearly? Yes, sir. How are you? Not too good. Not, not too good. Not too bad, Brother Elia and uh, Brother Reggie. Good to, have, to be online with you. Likewise, my brother. I'm glad to have you back. It's been over a year since we had you on before. I know, I know. It's been uh, one uh, roller coaster year, I think. I don't know. I know, I know you've had a pretty uh, exciting time over in the states. Yes, uh, a, lot, a lot of a lot of issues, and in fact, common issues going on. And it's uh, we might touch on some of them as we uh, conversate for the uh, the time that we have you on. Definitely, uh, that'll be good, Brother Toyin. I want to talk to you to get a black perspective on what's going on, uh, you know, because the media has been full of a European slant on what's going on in France. Uh, a lot of our people waving French flags, having having sympathy for what's going on. Uh, listen, I don't have uh, any life loss is a tragedy, and I'm yes. not trying to be insensitive, but I think our people have to realize what's really going on in France in England, over on the European continent, and how it links up with what's going here on here in the States. But talk about what's going on in France and England, for that matter, from a black perspective, Brother Toyin. 
Well, I mean, you, you touched on so much there. Um, I mean, the first thing I think that we've got to address if we're talking about what's happening in the UK and France is uh, what we can only describe as an anti-Muslim backlash. This Islamophobia has, has gone kind of crazy. So what's happening is that you're getting uh, teachers in, uh, in schools not knowing how to address their students, um, kind of like hearing kind of like uh, essentially racist comments, uh, Islamophobic comments, which is uh, really confusing the children and kind of making them feel pretty kind of scared. There's, 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 there's an article that was released um, about one of the, the one one teacher commenting how uh, there's a group called Britain First. It's one of the, these racist groups um, saying that we should let them all sink and die. So that what they're doing is they're conflating the issues of immigration with that with terrorism. And so anyone who looks uh, doesn't look European is therefore potentially seen as a terrorist. And this is really having a big impact in the UK in the, in in in, in um, Paris, we're hearing similar situations. I mean, one of the one of the worst cases. Well, I say one of the worst cases. One of the worst kind of one of the cases that kind of like affected me was uh, uh, there were two racist mothers who were actually urinated in front of a Muslim family as they were praying in the park, and um, you know they pulled, literally they pulled down their underwear and squatted within meters, and that's because uh, the Muslims are from Syria, and as far as they're concerned, anyone from Syria. Um, must be a terrorist. Now, I mean, they were arrested, but mm. it, they were fined, but they didn't go to, to jail. Now, this is this is the issue with Muslims. And of course, one of the things I always like to remind people when they think about these aren't issues that affect our people is that, I mean, my father was a Muslim. I, I'm, I, I'm an African spiritualist, but my father was a Muslim. And my role model, Malcolm, Amawale Malcolm X, was a Muslim. Um, and there are many great Muslims in our community who do fantastic work for our people. So we're getting caught up in this backlash, both in Paris and in the UK, um, because right now uh, I, I call what the Europeans have is what I call uh, this bloodlust moment, where they need to they need to punish someone um, for what has happened, and they're not looking at themselves as being culpable for uh, anything that's occurring. Brother Toy, um, turn the clock back uh, in France. And there was a couple of cities there, and you can kind of uh, educate our audience to it. I'm, I'm reading it uh, from publications uh, <coughs> from Europe and also out of The Guardian about the situation that happened, the, the huge riots that caused a state of emergency in France in 2005 oh, and yeah. in 2007 because of police brutality in black areas, similar to what's been going on here over the past year in different cities in the United States. But talk about the situation in France in regards to black folks there, which are a small percentage of the population, but a huge percentage of the incarcerated population. It, uh, white supremacy seems to be the same, whether it's here or in Europe. Talk about the situations in some of those cities in France for our people living there. Okay. I mean, my expertise doesn't extend so far to France. It's mm-hmm. more to the UK. But that particular case you're talking about in 2005 was when two young boys were uh, were killed essentially by by police officers and it led to some uprisings and this was interesting well in this particular case because the two boys one was african one was arab and um they were living in what's called the marginalized size of, of paris or france the, the, the so-called ghettos mm-hmm. and um yeah the place burnt i mean it it, it really was uh, a youth-led movement that was just saying we had enough of enough 
and um, it was in the media for quite a long time. It died down, and everyone thought, well, everyone in the UK thought that things were getting better, but things weren't getting better. What was happening was that the Western media was doing the thing it normally does. It tries to hide these issues, these tensions. And essentially what happened was that in 2007, uh, the, the issues bubbled to the surface again. And this is a recurring theme. I mean, I was involved in a, a protest against a, 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 an exhibition called uh, Exhibit B. Uh, and uh, it, it was a racist exhibition. And in London, we got it shut down. Uh, myself, uh, there's a sister called Sarah Myers, and a, you know, a whole lot of other people. We, we got the exhibition cut down as racing. But the point I'm trying to make here is that when the exhibition moved to Paris, what they did was that they had armed guards out there. So when our people in Paris decided to mobilise, there were tear gas, there were violent, there was blood. It was, it, you know, it, it, there was a level of repression of us defending our ancestors that we just couldn't do in Paris. And if we had known in London, uh, we, you know, we'd had enough foresight to think that they were going to come down so hard, maybe we could have come, gone over to give them some backup. But the reality of the situation is, is that Paris has a, a very uh, strange way of dealing with uh, uh, people from uh, other communities. They have a system called assimilation. So essentially, everyone in Paris is supposed to be French. That's as far as they're concerned. They don't care whether you're African, if you're Asian, whatever your heritage is. You're just a French citizen. And this is the way they say that they deal with racism, that everyone is equal. Mm -hmm. But of course, it doesn't work like that. Because the moment you have a, a non-European name, then you're discriminated. You can't get a job. You can't get good housing. You can't get a taxi late at night. You can't. It's all, everything changes. But as far as the official look of France outside is that everything is equal because everybody is French. And I'm pretty, I'm sure that the, the, the people, you know, from our community, you might, they might be small, but they're pretty mighty. Um, they will tell you quite clearly that that is not the case. You, you know, I, I was reading that article in the uh, publication called The Guardian, and it mentions that uh, several of the communities where, where uh, uh, our folks of African descent live are inaccessible to the cities. There are no train service that come directly to the cities from those areas. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's, like I said, I'm not an expert in Paris. I mean, okay. last, time, last time I was down there, uh, I did recognize that the trains went past some of those regions and you could see that <laughs> okay. they were in states of degradation. Um, but I, I, in all honesty, I wasn't actually going to those specific spots at that time. So I can't, I can't answer on that. But what I can say is that the, the same thing that's happening in London with a sense of gentrification is a situation that you have in France, that there are some regions which uh, you just don't see people of African heritage, you know, just in those, those regions, unless they're part of the coconut class. I mean, I'm not saying everyone, but I'm just saying that that's one of the situations. You said the coconut class? Yeah, I, I've got a thing I call the coconut classes. I should, maybe it's a bit naughty and stuff like that. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> the, the, you know, we're talking about Africans that are more inclined to uh, associate um, and, and to uh, support uh, white supremacist systems um, and turn a blind eye to uh, the problems that are faced by their own people. So I tend to refer to them as the coconut class. I say that, but then, you know, France also has people like uh, Christiane Tibera, and she's a fantastic politician. She's an African. Um, she's inside France. She created something called uh, the Tibera Law, and she, she got France to declare uh, enslavement Ma'afa as a crime against humanity. So we do have some people moving in those systems who maintain their integrity. But unfortunately, just much as you have 
in the states. I mean, I've I've seen a whole lot of people who have been uh, kind of cozying up to that uh, that, that 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 redneck. Uh, uh, what's his name? Trump, the Trump boy. Okay. Um, we would call him the coconut class. Um, if you're having meetings with him, validating his his nonsense, then you're part of the coconut class. Well, over here, I guess me and Reg can attest. To it. They call him Uncle Tom's here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's exactly exactly the same thing. But you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you have Oreos, you have, I, I, we, we, you know, we have Bounty. It's, it's the same thing: coconut okay. Bounty, Oreo, Toms. You know, <laughs> same folk, <laughs> slightly different language over the different Atlantic crossing. You know, <laughs> brother Toyn, you mentioned something before we move over to some of the things going on in England and what you're doing uh, with uh, Legali. You mentioned about gentrification there. Um, Talk about it. I mean, because we see it happening here in major cities across the United States uh, where black populations are at, they're systematically being eliminated from these cities. Uh, and I assume from what you're saying, the same thing is going on over there. Talk about oh, it. From, yeah. Talk about it from your perspective. Well, from a UK perspective, what's happening is that ever since the crash in 2007, 2008, uh, the government and successive governments have been pushing what they call austerity politics. And this austerity politics is kind of like pretending that they don't have money. And so therefore, everyone's going to have to lose all the kind of support they have. Uh, rates are going to have to go up. And uh, the net result of that has been that people who have been self-employed can't afford to rent for their businesses. They, thus, they can't afford to rent for their houses. And what we're finding is that areas that have been historically African, so if you go to South London, I live in East London, Hackney, areas where we are predominantly uh, large numbers, we still have some of us there. But the shop fronts, the, the, the high streets, are dominated by uh, what they call hipsters, uh, trendy cafes that sell uh, cups of coffee for like uh, you know, 10 bucks or 20 bucks at a shot, uh, cakes that are 50 bucks at a shot, uh, you know, things that are just outrageously ridiculous, nothing practical. Um, supermarkets that don't really do deals that are, that, you know, that, that are, are helpful. And our people just can't afford to live in these areas where we've been for several decades, um, if not centuries in some regions. And so what's happened is that areas that are known to be uh, historically African have become uh, gentrified. I, just, I, I don't think there's any other word to say it. And it's a serious problem. I mean, you know, many parents who bought their houses or who settled down, they have they're struggling with the idea that their children won't be able to live in the same area that they lived in and that, 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 that their grandparents lived in. And I'm not pretending that this austerity thing isn't affecting all other communities. It is. But it, it, one of the things that people sometimes forget when this so-called uh, economic crash happened, um, you know, a lot of people got hurt. But the people that caused it, uh, it, it didn't mean nothing to them. I mean, they, you know, they, they could roll with the hit. Okay. And so that's the situation that we're in right now. It's uh, very similar. It's very similar. Uh, white supremacy. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it exists in the mother country as well as here. Brother so, Troy. Go ahead. Uh, got a got a, yeah, I got a question for you, my brother. Um, over in the U.K., how, how does the, the, the African community that's in the UK, how do they view what they're seeing on the news and what's their 
take on police brutality, uh, white supremacy, uh, and the way black Americans deal with different situations of oppression. Here, do they look? Do they look at it as whatever goes on in the states? What we do here can be integral in their struggle over in the UK or vice versa. That's that's a really interesting story. I mean, a question because there used to be a theory that we were three years behind you. So anything that was happening in the States would impact in the UK uh, kind of like three years later. And and that kind of theory started to, to, to vanish because we've had our own issue with police brutality, not to the same degree as what's happened in the States. But there's two questions, there's two factors you asked. You asked about kind of police brutality and you also asked about interpretations of white supremacy. So let me answer the, the easy one first. Uh, most of our people here, if you mention white supremacy, they roll their eyes and they want to go and sit down and watch some kind of sitcom and they just think, oh my God, what's he talking about? You know, they, you know, white supremacists, no, 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 that's just madness. That's kind of like, it doesn't exist. And that situation, unfortunately, hasn't changed um, that much. It's shifted a little bit, but it hasn't changed that much. But when it comes down to police brutality, something has happened. Um, even the, the, the African that wouldn't be involved in the struggle is kind of seeing those video clips of children getting abused, Sandra Bland, you know, I mean, being assaulted by standing up for her rights. They're seeing, uh, you know, you know, some, you know, so much that that, that you know, hands up uh, campaigns, uh, the Black Lives Matter campaign. I mean, they're seeing all these kind of things and they're realizing that something is not right. They don't. You know, the majority don't call it white supremacy. They just think it's the bad apple in the police force. But I'm seeing a shift in consciousness where people are saying, you know, enough's enough. You know, we can't even allow that to reach here in three years time. And um, so some people are starting to wake up, which is a good thing. But I say that, I mean, just the other day, there was a sister um, of uh, uh, Janet Alder. She's a sister of a, a brother who was murdered several years ago called Christopher Alder. And he was a man who fought for this, for this country, the UK. Um, he was a paratrooper. They arrested him. Um, they had him on the floor with his pants down. Um, they were laughing while he was struggling. You know, he couldn't breathe. Um, they said he was making monkey noises. You could hear it. There's a videotape. And he, he, he passed. He joined the ancestors. And what happened was that, you know, there was an inquiry. It was kind of nonsense that they usually do. No one got arrested as usual. Um, but what happened a couple of days ago was that the sister, the sister who was actually fighting for justice, um, we found out that she was being followed. She'd been spied on. She had been uh, bugged, you know, the whole lot. Um, and... It's interesting because it's very hard for people in the UK to accept that their government would do the kind of co-intel programs that that clown Hoover used to do. So when you read something like that and it's just like yesterday, you kind of think, well, hold on, you know, in the UK, you know, the British government doesn't do that kind of stuff. And so people like myself who know it's a white supremacist system, you know, we can say, I told you so. Um, and, and people are starting to recognize that, you know, things aren't as rosy as it looks, but they're very good here with the distractions and uh, the confusion. And it does cause a problem for our people. We, we, we know that what happens to you over there affects us. Um, but unfortunately, some of the imports that come from America, I mean, there's one of the, what's it, what's it called? Uh, Empire. You've got this uh, this woman who's sleeping with a president or something. I forgot what that one's called. Okay. Led, 
I'm glad you can't remember any of the names. That's a good <laughs> you know, you know, you've got these pro and to be honest with you, they're causing us a lot of damage. Wow. You know, yeah. what, they, 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 because our people are jumping up and down, happy that we're on telly, um, and they're not really kind of thinking about the quality. You know, what what's being said about you know what what is it doing to us? So you know, things are getting better in a sense of heightened awareness. The other thing that's happening in the UK, which is quite positive, is the reparations movement is growing. And it's growing not just from people like myself, I'm a certain generation, but also from the young people. They're kind of starting to to, to, to stand up and start challenging uh, their the universities, their institutions where they work. So there's something cooking. I'm not I'm sure glad, it's... I'm glad you mentioned that, because my, my next question, I just want to tie, tie it in with what you were saying. I was going to ask you... What is your take on, because we know that in the UK, there's a lot of uh, people from the Caribbean and Africa that, that, that reside in, in, in the UK. I want to know what's the take on Caracom and with, in regards to reparations and what they have been doing to try to push throughout the Caribbean and even in, uh, you know, in uh, Britain and other countries in the European, uh, you know, European uh, nations of them coming back and apologizing for what they have done and also try to, uh, you know, uh, give out some sort of uh, reparations to the people? Well, well that, that's a very, very good and topical question right now because there's a strong reparations movement growing in this country. I mean, there has been one from Tom Memorial, but it's, it's for some reason, the cycles come back around and consciousness is raised. And it's a sister, uh, Esther Stanford Jose, she's uh, one of our, our warrior queens, champion, uh, doing some work on this. Brother Glenroy Watson or GAC, there are, there are organizations here that are, that are dealing with it. Um, but this, again, it's like the white supremacist question again. Um, you know, people don't understand the politics behind the scenes. So, what happened recently, a couple of months ago, you had the, the prime minister of this country, uh, uh, um, David Cameron. He went to Jamaica. I don't know if you heard about that. And um, when he got there, there was a big you know, campaign saying, right, when he comes to Jamaica, we're going to ask for them to apologize and to make reparations. So what Cameron did was that he said, well, look, Jamaica, you've got to move on. But this is what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to give you something like 20 million to build a prison. And that's going to be part of you know, your, your so-called reparations. He didn't use those words, but that's what you're going to do. You're going to get a prison. And then when the Jamaican prisoners in the UK, you know, finish um, or, or, you know, once that's done, once they finish their terms or when they get to a certain state, we'll ship them directly back to you. So that was his idea of reparations, 20 million to build a prison in Jamaica and to ship Jamaicans from the UK back to uh, Jamaica. And, and so what happened was that our people got vexed, even the man who says white supremacy is, is, is not, doesn't exist, even he can understand when someone's just slapping him in the face and, and having a laugh. And um, that was very helpful for the reparations movement over here because, again, you know, a, a lot of the times the people are fighting these things are already kind of, like, engaged. And one of the things that we need is n new, fresh, young blood in Chinese movements. So every time the state does stuff like that, it's useful. But the CARICOM movement, um, my position, as is a lot of other people's position who are following these things, is is that it's not grassroots led. It's good that it's raising the question, but it's very much like uh, um, reparations for the Caribbean. 
Um, I mean, there are some great people involved, and you know, I've got enough respect for some of the people involved. It's the same thing when I think of the reparations movement in um, uh, inside the states um, and, and then Cobra and Cobra, mm-hmm. and um, again, some fantastic workers there. But sometimes when we talk about reparations, this is my position now. Not I can't talk for anyone else. Sometimes when we talk about reparations, we tend to think about us and us alone. We don't think about reparations being a global movement which must, first of all, repair the motherland. And then it must also apply to us wherever we are on this planet. Okay. And because we don't have that attitude and we kind of like, well, we want reparations for us, we want to check for us, <clears throat> we kind of mess up the whole process. And so the CARICOM initiative is pretty much like that. You know, there's, there's, there's comments about we want this for this person, we want this for the natives that lived here, we want this for that. Uh, we want money for this island. And the people who really, you know, championed uh, reparations in the Caribbean was the Rasta community. And they did it, you know, from time immemorial with no compromise. You know, they were clear about reparation, repatriation. And they've been sidelined by the CARICOM movement. So, like I said, it, you know, I, from my perspective, the CARICOM movement is useful but it's not what we want. Even even the lawyers that they use is a company called Lay and Day, and they're the ones who sold out our ancestors for some blood money when uh, they were in court with the or going, had a chance of going into court for the Land and Freedom Army, the, the abuses that the British did in Kenya. So it, it's a very complex situation, and it's just like most things in the UK. The majority of Africans are completely uh, naive to the detail. But the good thing is that they're becoming aware to the spirit, to the idea of reparations. Nowadays, if you talk about reparations, whereas before people would just roll their eyes, even in our own community, a lot of them are kind of saying, you know what, there's something in this. There's, you know, there, there really is something in this. We're joined this evening in conversation with writer, educator and activist and founder of Legali a pan-African human rights organization that challenges the misrepresentation of African people, culture, and history. Brother Toyin, I bet Kutu is with us on the line this evening. Uh, Brother Toyin, you know, um, interesting questions that Brother Reg posed, and from your answers, I want to go back. You talked in the first question that Brother Reg posed about some of the people's uh, ambivalence towards white supremacy, but they're starting to wake up. Uh, when they see these incidents of police brutality, especially coming from this country and being shown there. In your opinion, because I look at your work, what is causing that lack of consciousness? Is it the same thing? I mean, is it, is it the lack of education of self, culture, and history? What is causing that, in your opinion? Wow, that's, <coughs> that's a huge question, brother. Elliot. That's a huge one. I, I think I'll defer to um, my my role model Malcolm when he talks about the Kool Aid. Okay. Um, Kool Aid. I, I, I mean, it's like. Um, I mean, yes, you're right. I mean, um, Brother John Henry Clark talks about the lack of knowledge of self. Uh, Kaji Woodson as well. I mean, we, you know, it's very clear that this lack of knowledge of self means that we tend to follow um, European culture, which is very individual, very me centered, and we absorb. Their, their ideas very easy so we don't have any value of ourselves and, and this is a big problem um, 
it's I mean you opened up with the question about um uh, you know sort of like people in uh, you know people in our community waving the Paris flag for mm-hmm. example. Uh, that's a perfect example. If we think about what's happening with this uh, so-called terrorism, and I'm not for one moment pretending that what happened in Paris wasn't terrorism. Um, the, the only the problem I have is that what Africans experience in America, in the UK, across Europe, on the continent, uh, is also state terrorism. So there's big taglines, you know, what's, what are these, these uh, Twitter things going out, hashtags, that's it, pray for Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's at least 129 people were killed and you know and of course you know those people you know deserved justice but if we think about nigeria for example you know um, i was going to mention that but go ahead we have boko haram boko haram have been have overtaken the so-called isol they use the term isis which is a corruption of our african deity and that, that annoys me a lot but um you know but boko haram is actually the world's most deadliest terror organization I mean, in, in some instances, they've killed like 2,000 people in one shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2014 alone, they killed over 6,000 people. So, I mean, they are a serious terror organization. And those are Islamists who look like you and I killing other Africans. It's a complete madness. But there's a bigger number than that, than 600, you know, 644 deaths in 2014. Um, there's an organization called the Iraq Body Count. And if you look at the Iraq Body Count, there were over 140,000 violent civilian deaths since the invasion of Iraq by the US-led coalition. So when we talk about terrorism, we, 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 we really have got to start including what I call state terrorism. Because we have the same problems that you have. Like when that clown went into Charleston and uh, murdered our, our good folk there in church, that was an act of terrorism. But that wasn't reported as terrorism in the UK. Okay. You know, and so, you know, people kind of thought, well, he, you know, maybe he was a bit extreme or maybe he, he was, he was uh, suffering from some uh, mental health issues. Well, no, it's terrorism. When I saw Sandra Bland sort of like challenging a redneck officer who had no right to put his hand on her, near her or threaten her, that was terrorism. And I, and I remember speaking with someone, you know, and explaining, you know, they were talking about, well, you know, the, the world's going all bad and the terrorists are doing all this kind of stuff. And I, I explained to them, as an African, I've lived under a state of terrorism since I've been born. The moment I was aware that, you know, I mean, those police officers are not supposed to be searching my pockets, not supposed to be hitting me with their junction, not supposed to be arresting me for nothing. That was terrorism. And so for me, it's quite clear what's going on. But a lot of our people, they don't, they don't really know it until they feel it, until someone in their family goes through it. And the Kool-Aid, what Malcolm spoke about, is very, very powerful. I mean, I, I guarantee you, when that Star, that, that Star Wars movie hits out, you know, all the bad news that's happening will be buried under things like that. Every time there's a big cultural movement, uh, our people get carried away and we sometimes forget that we had the we recently had this this, this nonsense Black Friday thing. Okay. And um, last year it was atrocious. I mean, people were were, were beating each other up, stamping on on elders just to get a, a, a TV. And the embarrassment was when you turn on the news, who could you see in the front of those queues? <laughs> who were the ones doing the most tramping over 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 pittance? It was our people. Okay. What, what I'm looking for is a situation where we kind of reach a level of self-awareness and self-consciousness. Say, whenever they say Black Friday, we say, yeah, we're only going to spend, not, not spend our money in our shops. 
I don't want to boycott. No, don't, don't boycott. Just say, if they're going to do their madness and we're going to spend some money, we're going to find shops in our community. And on that particular day, it's going to be like Kwanzaa a million times over because we're going to go in, we're going to spend our money and we're going to make those shops that was wealthiest week they've had for that whole year. But you try and sell that idea to majority of our people, they're not ready yet. The Kool-Aid is still too tasty. You know, it's, 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 it, it really is. And that's, I think... I know I'm kind of like elaborating. I'm not giving a direct answer on this about what causes it, but it's a mixture of all these things. Unless you feel it, uh, uh, a lot of our people don't get it. And, you know, those who get it, sometimes we come across too harsh because when you really get it, uh, how can you go back? You, you know, you can't, you can't then start watching the nonsense that's on the, on, on the television, as you call it, and, 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 and pretend everything's cool. And so all of a sudden, it's like that clown in the Matrix, Cypher. Even when I, every time I watch the Matrix film, I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the first one. There's a clown called Cypher, and he goes back and he says, um, yeah, you know, I want to be famous. I know it's a lie, but that's what I want to live. That's unfortunately where most of our people are. And we need a lot more Morpheuses going around, pulling them out. In fact, there was a film called The Drop Squad. We need, we need a couple of them as well. <laughs> oh, man. You, know, you know what? Oh. I got I got a I got a question to ask you. Elliot and I <laughs> Go ahead, talk man. about hip hop music and the impact that it could have if utilized in the right way for our young people. Oof, and, yeah. and and there is a UK artist that oh man, Akala. Oh yeah, my brother man. Yeah. <laughs> I love Akala. Um man, the music First of all, he's a he, he's a hip hop artist. He can spit. He has the lyrics, but he has the consciousness, content, facts, all into interwoven into what he's talking about on his tracks. I, I just want you to talk about him and the impact that we have had more young people taking the mantle as he has done talking truth or power and making it his responsibility as an artist that if he has the platform, he is supposed to be speaking the truth and he's supposed to be lifting up the minds of our young. I just wanted to know your thoughts about Akala and what he's doing in the UK. Okay. I I had to give a disclaimer. I mean, I'm I'm a bit biased because (laughs) Akala is is a friend of mine. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, tell tell me, yes, yes, yes. Some uh, people that love his work on the state side over this. But side. I'm gonna, I'll, 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 I'll tell him now. You know okay. what I mean? He's, he's, he's a cool brother. Um, we right. actually met in, a, we met in an argument. Actually, uh, we were both booked to do some uh, a discussion on on a BBC Radio London about the N word when he was much younger and I was much younger. And um, yeah, you know, I, I was booked on to say why we shouldn't use it, and he was booked on to say why we can use it. <laughs> And we had a massive argument before the program. And, uh, you know, and I remember saying to him, well, if you can't find a more imaginative way to describe us, then you're not much, not very good as an artist, are you? You're not very imaginative or very creative. And he went silent. And he went, you know what? You're right. (laughs) And what happened when we went on the air, it was like they were vexed because we kind of quashed the beef. (laughs) And he never used the N word again. He only ever uses it in a historical context. And this is what I love about the brother. I mean, he, he, um, I don't know if you know, he was, he's a brother of, uh, another popular artist at the time called Miss Dynamite. 
that's his sister, right? Very popular in okay. the UK at the time. And she, uh, you know, she was seen as a street cred poppy artist, but she was she had some credibility. Uh, she'd, she she kind of fought for our people as well. There's a time when some racism was going on. She had to box someone inside a cloak room as well because they were coming <laughs> with some racist stuff. <laughs> now, now, Akala could have gone the pop route. Um, you know, when he was younger, he could have taken that route and gone clear, but he he took it a bit hard. And I think his career suffered for that because, you know, he should have blown up bigger. Mm-hmm. But rather than kind of selling out, the brother has got a brain, he's got a heart, he loves our people, he's conscious. I was just literally tonight just watching a programme with another guy called George the Poet, and he was interviewing uh, Akala with uh, Linton Kwesi Johnson and a few other people about not selling out with the art. And, um, you know, Akala, uh, you know, he just keeps, and it sounds like a cliche, he keeps it real, he understands what he has. There's, a, there's another UK artist called uh, Silas Zephaniah, I think you'll like some of his stuff as well. Um, And the problem is, and this is something I always teach my children, this is something I think we have to be aware of, is that in the current environment that we're at, um, if you decide to do the right thing, then you're going to find it harder. Because as an artist, if you sell out, you've got more chance of being successful. The, the, The bad people often win. Forget what the Hollywood movies tell you. So when you go into this struggle and you go into the struggle with your heart and your integrity, you've got to be prepared that you've got to take a longer, rougher ride, but you're going to be free. You can look at yourself in the mirror. And I think that's one of the decisions that a color can take, because I believe that music is one of our principal weapons in this fight. And I think that we've actually let that slip. We've let the, the clowns, the coconuts, the appropriators jump on it. We've actually helped them to jump on it. I mean, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to dig on Kanye West because he's a he's another clown. But there's a lot of them who <laughs> I thought they 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 were going to help us. I mean, I remember when Kanye did that nonsense with George Bush. I thought, man, I'm going to give the guy a chance, man. Anyone who could talk like that on live and, and you know, and he just pimped himself out. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, and, and and this is the problem. Yeah, music is is more powerful. The words of a musician can be more powerful than the words of a politician. Um, you know, when we hear tracks, um, um, you know, when we hear tracks, we hear the words over and over and over again. They have a serious impact on us. And yeah. I think the state, I think the states know that. I mean, this one of the biggest movies that came out was this uh, tribute to um, N.W.A. I didn't watch it. I had no interest, to be honest with you, in watching it. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a good movie. They've got good music. But I'm just not interested in N.W.A. At the time, I loved the album. I'm not going to lie. You know what I mean? Uh, they had some wicked beats and F the police and there were some things they were saying. But I see that as the generation that destroyed one of our most powerful weapons. I see that as a generation that crushed Grandmaster Flash, crushed Rakim, they crushed Public Enemy. And it just turned this East Coast nonsense just kind of put us like a million years backwards. So I can't really celebrate that. And until we reclaim it, and we reclaim it knowing that we're not going to make a lot of money out of it, because that's not the purpose, we've got a problem. I think we really have a problem. And that's why I will always big up people like Akala and all the new artists. I mean, I mean because those that come out and, uh, you, you know, kind of like tell it as it is, fully knowing that they're not going to be commercial um, if they do that. I, I, what, what else can you do? You've got to show them respect. Hey, you know what I appreciate about him so much? that number one, that he's talented, but I also saw a few 
interviews that he did where it was um he was in a uh, like a public forum where he could uh debate and his ability to debate hold his point and drop historical facts i remember there was uh there was someone in the audience that was talking about racism and, and, and the position of black people and he checked them but he checked them with so many facts that he could <laughs> that he couldn't talk he couldn't say anything you know the guy couldn't say anything it was a white guy and he was like turning red and I, I i appreciate that because you know i think one of the qualifications of being a hip-hop artist is you have to have a vocabulary you should have comprehension skills and you should be able to have a discourse outside of just your album and rap it. You should be able to talk sensibly when you come off of that mic also. I think that should be a, a prerequisite of holding that mic. But you know what? You you, you said hip-hop. And I see there's, there's two genres here. Uh-huh. There's hip-hop and there's hip-pop. And <laughs> yeah. hip-pop is completely <laughs> something else. Yeah. And, you know, what happens, you get paid well by wealthy Europeans to live out a fantasy where you can kill brothers, you can use the N-word, you can disrespect our sisters, you can see them half naked in videos. You get paid very, very well to do that. Hip-hop artists, if you're talking about things like Dead Prez, you're talking about the Akalas of the world, well, you know, unfortunately, they're doing quality hip-hop, but they're struggling. And the, the question has to be, you know what, do I, do I stay true to what I am, stay true to what I'm doing? I mean, I remember listening to Immortal Technique and, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a great hip hop fan because I'm from a certain generation where, like I said, Eric B and Rakeem were my people, you know what I mean? I, 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 I go all the way back to Nucleus and jam on it. So I'm, I'm a, an old school generation. <laughs> so I, I can't get with some of this noise that I hear now. But the reality of the situation is that hip hop and hip hop are two different things. And hip hop is now mainstream music. And as long as we are supporting it as mainstream music, the real artists are going to struggle. And you're right, that vocabulary they have, Alcala is an academic. He might not have, he might not use uh, all of the terms behind his name and all the letters and all this kind of stuff, but he, he thinks, he researches. You know, he has, he's an educator and that's what he does. And he backs it up. And his other advantage, what I like about him, which is quite interesting, is because he's dual heritage, he can draw from his African heritage and he can draw from his European heritage. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes to challenge him, he can hold them in check and they can't say that he's biased. And that's something, I mean, I'm clear, I'm a Pan-Africanist. So if you come to me with foolishness, I'm going to shoot it down. And you can say to me, but you're biased towards African people. And I'll say, yeah. I am. I, I can't hide it. I can't lie. And I don't care. You understand? Akala can kind of straddle both worlds. And he understands that. And he uses it very, very well. And so I have a much respect for him. The only worry I have, though, and this is a bit of a worry I have with him, is, is that as time moves on, he's getting older. And as he's getting older, he's getting more wiser. But as we move on and we get older we start to lose the very young audience who are always looking for someone in their peer group. And I kind of don't want Akala to get old. I want him to stay young <laughs> yeah. and fresh and keep yeah. pulling in the young'uns. You know what? Uh, let, me, let me just say this to you. And, and it, I, I just had to say this. I just had this discussion about three days ago with a young lady. She is 32. 
So between you know we with, with the with the hip hop, she knows some of the old stuff that we that we know, but she also knows some of the new stuff. So I was telling her my favorite hip hop artist is Karis One. Yeah, um, Boogie Productions. That's my favorite hip hop artist. I like him. I like Eric being Rock. I love Rock Kim. Love Nas, but he's my favorite because what he could do on a live show, his content, vocabulary. If he wants to talk, if he wants to go street, he could do street. If he wants to do consciousness, he could do consciousness. He chooses to do consciousness and teach the people the majority, 95% of his songs. That's what he's doing, trying to put something in our people. I was telling her, she, I said, look, in your family, your mother, you, and your children all listen to either mainstream hip-hop or underground hip-hop all in the same household. Now, before your mother's generation, that never happened because you either had your parents that were listening to old school Caribbean music yeah. or old school R&B music. There was a separation. You were The parents and the children were not listening to the same exact music. There was, exactly. it, was a, it, was, it was a difference. So I said, when we look at somebody, when you look at, I was just telling them, when you look at Public Enemy, you look at Rakim, look at Karis One, people who still could come up with new content. I said, we're the only people that want a hip hop artist that's giving something to our people that's still qualified and skilled, not trying to act like any young person, but has still something to give to our people. No, they don't, they need to hang it up. But white folks don't tell the Rolling Stones to hang it up, they don't tell any old school artists. They hang it up. They still go and pay money for them. Most of these rock artists, they're not coming out with any new content, but those white, their their audience pays top money to go see them a concert for stuff that they recorded 30 or 40 years ago. And that's, and that's, that's why I kind of, you know, she went left and I go right on that. That's why I just wanted to bring up that point. I think it's good that our artists grow older as long as they're not trying to, because they are the conduit for the younger artists, for them to look at, because they've set the bar high for anybody that's truly trying to inspire to hold the mic and to give something back to the people. That's true. I mean, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't argue with that. I mean, I think there's supposed to be a distinction between what the parents listen to and what the young ones listen to. It's it's traditional um, across all cultures, to be honest with you, that young people have an anti language. So they have something that is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at an age now where, you know, I will sometimes say to some young people, that's not music, that's just noise. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, I, and, I, and I recognize that, you know what I mean? They don't do it like they used to. I mean, I, you know, my children, yes, daddy, it's earth, wind and fire. We understand they're the greatest <laughs> band at the time. You know, and I can hear myself and I can't stop it. You understand? <laughs> and, and, like, and like, that's that's how it's supposed to be. But what's happening is like, you know, like you're saying, it's like, you, you, you know, some of us are not, not really making that transition properly. And one of the things that hurts me is is groups like Public Enemy, which kind of like came into my life at a pivotal time, um, you, you know, especially, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, it, Fear of a Black Planet. And there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a couple of tunes on there, Shut It Down and uh, Chaos in a, what's it? Oh, Black Still in an Hour Chaos. And when I hear them, I mean, I'm, of course, I still love Bring the Noise and Don't Forget the Hype and all that kind of stuff. But there's, certain, there's a certain era that I remember. And they kind of helped me. You know what I mean? They helped my consciousness. And when they appear in the UK, 
99% of the audience are European. <laughs> and, you know, what happens? I just can't roll. I can't go there. I can't. I mean, you know, I appreciate that they appreciate good music. And that's a good thing. And I don't knock them for that. But what's happening is that lyrics and music that is supposed to be raising our consciousness has now become kind of like a entertainment. It's become fun. It's become, I mean, even Flavor Flav is it's like a joke. Um, you know, I mean, I, the S1Ws, when I was growing up, it was heavy. I mean, they were, they were like, man, I want to be, be a member of the S1Ws. Terminator, you know, all them kind of things have just become a joke. And I still respect Chuck. Chuck D, I, he's still, you know, he, like you said, he's articulate like the others as well. But there's a level of pimping, which I know I'm sounding a bit harsh, and, and, I, and I, it's almost sacrilege for me to say things like this. And I'm, if you're out there, Chuck, I'm sorry, but I've got to call it as it is, man. There's, there's a level of kind of play into the gallery when what we need you to be doing is schooling some of the young folk, the young artists, and how to keep it, you know what I mean, raw, how it was, using the Hank Shockley techniques to move away from the noise that, that's that's pop at the moment at the moment and bring hip hop back, make it real. One thing that happens in the UK, which I have a much respect for, even though I don't like it, is there's a movement called uh, the grime movement. I mean, it's, it's it's phasing out now. But UK artists, hip hop artists, those artists like Klashkanov and stuff like that, but there's Dizzy Rascal, they started creating their own version of hip hop, which was very UK based. And even though the lyrics were kind of a bit weak. Um, I mean, they had skills, but they weren't really saying much. Some were, but the majority weren't saying much. I have respect for the fact that they're creating something new. And I think we have to have that. We have, we have to have the cultural uh, ones who hold the fort. You know, we have to have those people who hold the fort. They don't budge. They, they, they make sure that they, they, they're the gatekeepers. And then we have to have the young bloods that are, are, that are taking all the stuff that we did and modernizing it and bringing it to a new audience. But I don't know how we move from terrorism to hip hop. So I, I need to shut up now. <laughs> Brother Toy, and listen, and I would tell the listening audience we were joined this evening by writer, educator, and activist, and founder of Legali, a pan African human rights organization that challenges the misrepresentations of African people, culture, and history. Brother Toy, and at back to Brother Toy, and I don't want to keep you over because it's very late in England, and I know that you have a few things to do in the morning, as you told me. But before you leave, uh, we put a clip up on our Facebook page in reference to Legali. And you talked about uh, some of the things that you especially deal with the young people with. And you termed them the four R's. Talk about them before you leave and give your explanations for each of those four R's. Man. <laughs> you, you, you want me to give you a little uh, <laughs> aid with that? I said a lot of things, man. <laughs> yeah. you, the, the first one was remember and repeat. The second one was the research. The third one was racism is real. And the fourth was repair through reparations. Give us a little brief synopsis of those four hours before you leave us this evening. That, that was a long time ago, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it talked to me one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I remember something I wrote 10 years ago. Um, the four hours. No, I, I think... If I remember correctly, when I was writing that, the context of that was that I think that we kind of need people to understand the situation is real. Um, one of the things that I mean, I, I don't, I never want to take away a young person's childhood. I mean, I think there's a level of you need to be free, you need to have fun. Not every single European is the devil. I mean, there, there are many who are going to be our allies and that hate the system as much as we, well, not as much as we do, but they hate it. 
Um, and that's cool. But one of the things that happens when you live uh, amongst uh, an ethnic majority that, that kind of like sponges off you and exploits you and denies its history is that you sometimes become part of that system. You start oppressing your own people. So, I, I mean, I can't remember all the years. You gave me some of them, but I remember one of the things that we have to remember. You know, we have to remember our past. We have to remember our history. Um, we have to also reflect that racism is real. Because if many times, I, I, you know, I, I don't get into those arguments anymore. You'll hear your own people telling you that there's no racism or that racism isn't that bad. Or, it's, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it was when it was before. And, you know, this is just complete utter nonsense. No matter how, you know, even if we don't go into the past, I guarantee you next week we're going to get more racist incidents that are going to be outrageous and more African people are going to die. And those people are still going to say racism doesn't doesn't exist. So we've got to we've really got to be involved in actually educating them about that. That's a responsibility. But at the same time, we've got to be careful that we don't give them fatigue because one of the things that I think that we do sometimes um, as a people, those of us who are active and, and, and doing our best to kind of like lift our people, is that we sometimes make the enemy omnipotent. We kind of talk about the European as if they're gods. And as if, um, you know, they're always going to be in this position above us. And I think that's a mistake. Um, it's the same thing like the Arabs, you know. We, we sometimes forget their role in our enslavement and their continuing role in funding movements like Boko Haram and uh, all the evil that they, 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 they do, they continue to do. We, we sometimes forget about that. And I think that when we talk about them in a way like they're more powerful than us, uh, we defeat ourselves. It's kind of like I, I grew up with Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was another one of my role models that my father introduced me to. And one of the great tactics he had was that he used to convince people that they were going to lose before they, he got into the ring with them. So he would tell them what round they're going to go down in. And essentially, I mean, he was a talented, obviously he was a, one of the masterful uh, boxers, but what he was doing was planting a seed. There's a clown, there's a funny film called uh, Inception. It's a bit long-winded, but the principle is the same. You plant a seed into someone and that seed is that you're going to fail and we're going to succeed. And that's been done to us. Okay. We assume that we're going to fail and we pass that on to our children. And so I'm always arguing. It's one thing that I believe. I, I don't believe that we're going to fail. I believe it's going to take time. It took you know centuries to get us into this mess. It's going to take us time to get out of it. But you know, I think that if we don't remind our young people of the greatness that we had, we don't let them realise that the threat that we experience right now is real. It's not something imaginary. We will have problems. So when I come up with things like the four R's, it's probably in response to someone coming with something negative. But whenever I come up with things like that, it really does begin with conversations like what we're having now, kind of making everything relevant. Because, you know, I can talk about Boogie Down Productions. I can talk about Nucleus. I can talk about, you know, all the way Cormo D., but if I don't listen, I don't listen to Kendrick Lamar, but I know who he is. If I don't listen to some of the most contemporary thing and I don't make the stuff that helps us in the past relevant to today, that's another generation lost. And we can't afford to lose another generation of young people. I hope I kind of half answered the question about earlier. <laughs> that's bringing it this there. Brother Torin, I want to thank you for being with us, man. Listen, it, it's not going to be this long again before you're back on. Just love <laughs> having you, man. Loving your perspective from uh from england our people in the diaspora over there and it was necessary for uh our audience to hear 
a black perspective on what's going on. I want to thank you for being with us, man. And I'm looking forward to you being with us again. And listen, I'm going to send you drop your line because I want you to hook Reg up with his boy so he can be on this program. <laughs> okay, I'll see what I can do. Okay, man. Thank you, Brother Elliot, and thank you, Brother yeah. Reggie. It's, it's a pleasure, man. All right. We'll look forward thank to you, your brother. next visit. Have a nice one. Take care. You too. Peace out. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, open form. Get involved. We'll be right back. tuned in to the black talk radio network for podcasts and live program scheduling visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com all insurance incorporated an african-american owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years located at 231 southeastern road in glenside pa with other offices in germantown and west philadelphia call now for commercial insurance quotes homeowners insurance quotes automobile insurance quotes notary and tax services representing over 15 major a-rated insurance companies offering a discount on all notary services if when you call in for a free quote call this number to That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. What is in one million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? If you realize that nobody's going to save black people but us, if you understand that no existing political party prioritizes the best interests of African Americans as a collective, if you believe that leadership is as leadership does, and this means that the best leaders for the black collective must come from the ranks of those who place and hold the best interests of black people foremost and uttermost. If you understand that black people must develop the mindset and the will to finance their own racial uplift organizational efforts, then get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Go to www.iamoneofthemillion.com. That's www.iamoneofthemillion.com. W-E-L-O-V-E 108 FM 
for an awakening we were joined in the first hour by writer educated activist and founder of Legali brother Toyin at Beck 2 was with us interesting discussion with brother Toyin give us a uh, pan-african or black perspective on what's going on over there in Europe and it's uh, I think it's uh, something our people need to hear from a brother uh, and over there in England that's been born and raised there give a perspective, a Pan-African perspective and view on what's going on. Interesting discussion, Brother Ridge. We're in open forum this evening. You can give us a call. We're in open forum for the rest of the program. Uh, give us a call at 215-253-7263. That's 215-253-7263. And we're, and we're joined uh, here by Brother Ralph. Brother Ralph, 
see you. You're with us. Yes, sir. How you doing, brother LA, brother Reg? How you doing? How you doing, Ralph? All right. You know, before we before we uh, um, kind of go off into open forums, because I know it's a subject matter probably want to raise with discussion and uh, get the callers involved. Uh, brother Reg, brother Rap. I, listen, I know you enjoyed brother Toyin being on. Uh, uh, brother Reg, uh, he was with us the, uh, over a year ago. I didn't realize it was that long, but uh, I'm gonna reach out to him a little bit uh, more frequently to get a perspective, a worldwide perspective, that's in a perspective from what's going on over there for my people in the diaspora. But it was refreshing to hear, brother, uh, with a different perspective that doesn't live here give his take on what's going on and the world view of what's going on. I, I just thought it was, was interesting. And uh, what do you think, Brother Reg, before I uh, pass it over to Brother Ralph? I think it's refreshing. I think it's refreshing. I, I want to hear from Ralph. I want to hear Ralph's, Ralph's take. Brother Ralph? I want to know if he's going to move over to the UK with Brother X when the races. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I listened to that whole discussion, and uh, you know, uh, where where are these people descendants from? For one thing, and they serve the same queen, the same pope. The, they serve Israel, and they serve the banking system. So they're the same people, and uh, it didn't surprise me whatsoever. You know what I mean? Uh, I am looking for a little piece of the homeland. I had a cousin just went over there. He was scoping. No, go ahead, go ahead, Ralph. Yeah, he was scoping uh, out a part of Africa that I was thinking about. You know what I mean? So I do take uh, some things into consideration that the Honorable Marcus Garvey took in consideration. Uh, we can't live together, as you can see. You can plainly see. So everything that that brother was saying, I, I felt it. It's, it's like he's in the same country and the same propaganda that they're using, the, the same mind control propaganda, esteem-lowering uh, programs are uh, over there in Britain now. The scandal, the empire, all these reality. That's just their, that, that's the propaganda that they do before they make a move, man. So, no, I, 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 I was listening to him. I was in London before and I was in Paris. And uh, it's the same racist system over there as it is here. So, nope, I, I followed the brother completely. I was sort of surprised about the gentrification, though, because they got the little coffee stands where they sit outside and drink the $20 cups of coffee. You know, the same garbage that goes on down in your old neighborhood, Elliot. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same thing. Elliot be hanging out tough down there, Ralph. Don't yeah. let nobody fool you. <laughs> okay. He be having his foot up when they're talking to little folks out there. Let's let's grab a call. Two one five area code. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, what's up, brother Elliot? How you doing, good brother? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. It was good seeing you and Ralph and uh, brother Reg today, man. Good to see you. Good seeing you, brother. Let me tell you something, man. That was a powerful documentary today, brother Elliot. I thought it was it excellent. Was, it was powerful, man. And you it know, was it, powerful. It, I mean, it, it, I was so glad to get me a copy, brother. You know. It kind of gave a perspective of, um, and, and what I enjoyed about it, it gave a perspective of black folks from different stratas of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, some that had been successful, lost it and, and retrieved a monicum of it back. Others that are successful and grassroots people. Mm-hmm. And the answer that they, the, the answers that they were given, was 
not strangely the same or strangely similar, but it was it was it's a real case study. I mean, somebody mm-hmm. could look at that and really have interesting discussion based on that documentary. Oh, I agree. And, and matter of fact, I called Brother Alasuk up tonight and told him, I said, he said, he said, he said, he said, he said Brother, he said, I didn't realize I was on there that much. I said, yeah, yeah. I said, you was probably featured, Brother Alasuk. You was on there quite a bit and, and, and stuff. That's so what I told him. He had to laugh when I told him that. Okay. <laughs> you know, but it was outstanding and stuff. And also, too, Brother Elliot, the brother that you had on from England, I enjoyed the interview that y'all did with the brother, man. It was outstanding. And if we give you like to give out people's perspective on, on, on how we treated like you said, not only in America, but, you know, throughout the uh, world. And like you was talking about the, the tragic thing that happened in France, like you said, we don't, we're not insensitive to the loss of life. But one thing, I, and I mentioned this on Terrestrial Radio, Brother Elliot and, and Brother Ralph and Reg, is that France, their hands is not clean. I mean, you go back to Haiti, and you go back just a few years ago, they helped, they helped participate in the bombing. And overthrow and, sub- and, sub- and subsequent murder of Brother Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. France had played a big hand in that. So France's hands is not clean and none of this stuff, you know. And they're one of the biggest colonizers in European history. So, you know, it, it is what it is and stuff. So I'm glad that you and the brother pointed it out tonight, you know, because some of our people we get caught up in a hoopla, you know, about loss of life when our, when our people are getting killed here every day in America and throughout the world. And another thing, too, that, that one must keep in mind, if you read George Ricardo Stanton's piece who y'all had on y'all show before in, in this recent issue of Scoop, he said it. These groups like Al-Qaeda, ISIS, they number United States creators and stuff. They number creators, they number agents and, and all that kind of stuff. See, these people have a vested interest in demonizing Islam and, and, and people of color, Islamic countries. So they, these, these people are number hired agents. they part of the Mossad. They're not but mercenaries. Exactly, mm-hmm. brother. Now, number mercenaries. These people are not true Muslims that's doing these kind of acts and stuff. They're number mercenaries, like you correctly pointed out, brother Ralph. You know. So I mean, so we we got to be very clear on, on what's going on. But see, again, this is part of white propaganda. Things like that to continue to demonize. Because these people, they are they psychopaths. Like Jewish recall the statement. So these people stop at nothing, brother Ralph. They get their agenda, which is worldwide white supremacy, white dominance. They have to kill their own people, like 9/11, whatever. But a but but a, but a mercenary act by Mossad and and, and 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 the CIA. They will kill and sacrifice their own people to further their own agenda. Cause this hey, is the kind brother of psychopath Joe. people you're dealing with. Yes, Reg. Mm-hmm. Brother Joe, two things. Yes, sir. Uh, and I said this uh, many times on this program. I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. Mm-hmm. Domestic policy could could have some different variations. I don't want anyone ever to forget Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Blue Party, whatever party. The foreign policy is today going to be in the future, and in the past has been imperialism. Bottom no line, doubt. that's no it. Doubt. Imperialism. No doubt. I want to also say to you, just just food for thought. I wonder if any of those victims, families, are going to come out and forgive these people that, uh, that, 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 that killed their loved ones. Just something, just something for us to think about. And I'm not saying that lightly mm-hmm. if you're dealing with lies, whether you care about what happened or not. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just pointing it out. The expectation of when a black life is taken 
versus the expectation of when white lives and other lives are taken. Why? I have not seen anybody get on the camera saying that we forgive these people. Of course, you're not going to say it. I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm just putting that out. I'm, I'm just, not, no, I'm just, I'm just saying, saying what you're saying, Rex. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Joe, I'm just saying from what I've seen. No, I, I don't watch every television station, right? and I haven't seen all the news. I'm just saying from what I've seen, what I've watched on, on social media, I haven't seen any such act of benevolence toward the people who, who, who've done such act where they're going to say, we're forgiving you. I haven't heard anybody from the French government saying that we need to forgive what was done to these people for us to move on, for us to come together as a country and to move forward. We need to forgive these people. Joe, or have you seen any of their ministers come out and says like, we as a Bible be, uh, <laughs> we as a Bible believe in Jesus fearing country we have to forgive them. No, they would say bomb them, and they bomb them in day. Hey, let, let me tell you, brother Ralph and Ray, how right you are. Let's let's stay here in Philadelphia for a minute. You remember several years ago when the boy shot the cop up here in uh, the Dunkin' Donuts, Cassidy. Well, when he when he when, his, when he went to trial and he was convicted, and he, and he went through the sentencing phrase, this young man, I think his name was Jordan Lewis, he. Went and apologized to to Cassidy's wife Judy and the family, the daughters. Everybody was there. He 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 did he did he couldn't do no more what he did. He he cried. He pleaded for their forgiveness. And he he says, "I wish I could even trade places with with, with your husband, Miss Cassidy, because you know, I mean, he was very sincere. And he said, "I did a terrible thing. I wish I could take it back. I mean, you can do no more than what this brother did." That white woman looked at him, brother. And it's again, I go back, you go back to what you said. Historically, white folks don't forgive nothing. See, we're the ones that do that. She said, she looked at him and she said, I hate you. So I will never forgive you. Sitting right there in the courtroom, I hate you. I hope you burn in hell. Why this, why this brother plaguing and pleading and stuff? She said, I hate you. Get away. So I can't stand the sight of you. Killed my husband. I hate you. Well, I hope you burn in hell. No forgiveness. But yet, what did you see down in South Carolina? When that when that cracker shot out people in the church down there, first thing the Negroes did before the people was even in the ground. You saw it? I ain't telling no lie from wrong, correct me. We forgive him. We are Jesus people, we are God's children. We forgive him, you know. And I, I mean, and this and you wonder why we in the condition we're now we're gonna stay in that condition as long as we have that mindset these people can kill us, bomb our churches, they can do whatever and you always had the Negroes ready to forgive. But but no matter what we do with them, and we can we beg for forgiveness. Forgiveness is not coming. It's just not going to be there. And, and Joe, and when, I, when I'm when I'm saying that, I'm not trying to say this to make jokes or make. I understand lot of, what you're saying. I, I just want our people sure. to be able to when we are watching the news, reading the paper, looking at something on social media, to think critically. I'm throwing, I'm talking about those sure. who are not. Those that are, we are ready ahead of the game. So right. Those who are not. That we need to start looking at this thing. I'm not taking it. If you're a Christian, Bible believer, that's fine. I, I, that's not. I don't have any problem with you as an individual needing to forgive someone. Mm-hmm. Okay, to be able to move on with your life. That's fine if that's what you need to do. But what I'm saying is, it should not be the expectation that when something happens to a black person or black life, that that's what is demanded from white people that we do when, mm-hmm. they don't, when they don't do that naturally they don't that's when, right. when something happens to them they want to go bomb that's chill, right. and yep. get 
They 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 get their repentance. Like James Brown said, they want to get some get back through revenge. Through revenge. Right. I want to say one other thing too. When we're talking about mm-hmm. black lives, critical thing. Yeah, this guy. I don't got. I don't have no love for Planned Parenthood. Because the woman I who started either. that, as Rob has said before, the program, she was a no Sanger was a known racist. She didn't have That's any right. love for black people, and it's documented. There's nothing that we're making up. If you don't That's believe true. it, just That's go do your own historical research on this woman. She doesn't care about the woman who started Planned Parenthood and the people who are still propagating Planned Parenthood. They're doing this to limit the amount of black children. Period. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. To take body parts from our black people because they know what we are. We're that timepiece that holds everything in this world. Black folks, the most despised people, we are the we are the cream of the crop. You if you don't believe it, they already know it. They know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what I want to say is on this Planned Parenthood thing. All right, you got the guy goes in, shoots a couple people up, or whatever the case may be, shot shot some people, all right? Now, we have this young man on the road that has a knife, wielding a knife. Mm-hmm. Shot, bap, 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 shot. Uh-huh. This guy done got an automatic, you no know, shot people up, just now. And a cop, he killed the cop. Killed, killed a cop, and he's able to come out Exactly. Be arrested. Just something to think about. This white boy that was up in in, in Pennsylvania. That's right. Hiding out in the woods. They got That's all right. these sophisticated. I leave my house right now and shoot up four or five people. I know where to go if I do something like that. Mm-hmm. They would still gonna get me. But somebody, some, some one of our folks gonna die me out. Plus I'm six six. You know, I'm tall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some sort of, so some sort of wonderful. Somebody's gonna die me out. They got cameras all over the place. This white boy hid out in the woods. They got helicopters. They got dogs. They can't find it. I didn't believe. I still don't believe that. Then when they caught up with him, no beat down, no nothing. Of course, him food and all that. He was able to walk out. No fear in his life. They were concerned that somebody was gonna do something to him from the outside. They got. A vest on him or walking them out. Just for us to think, when we talk to our children and talk to their families, we can use these two things as an example of how they deal with white people versus how they deal with black people. I don't know if it's a thing that is conscious, a conscious act. I think it might be a subconscious act that they don't even realize that they're doing it. They just do it. Oh, they realize it's, it. It's, it's a habit. They it's realize habit. it. Hey, 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 Rex, right here in Pennsylvania, State Pennsylvania, last night, as a matter of fact, in upstate Pennsylvania, it was on the news, a white boy shot and killed the cop. They went in the woods, they had they had a manhunt for him, they went and guess what, he shot a cop in upstate PA, just like the boy in, in Colorado, they brought this white boy out alive. I mean, it's amazing how these white boys can shoot cops and they come out alive, but a brother can just have a knife, not even threaten the police, and wind up getting shot 16 times. I mean, it just, the beat goes on. You know, like like Brother Malcolm, how Malik Malik Al-Shabazz said one time, when black folks just say back then up to him, oh, Brother Malcolm, we got to forgive them. They know not, no, they forgive, we, they don't, they know not what they do. Malcolm said, oh, yes, they do. They know exactly what they're doing. They experts at it. They've been doing it for years. They know exactly what they're doing. And, and what I'm saying that, <laughs> when I'm saying to you, 
consciously versus subconscious. I'm saying I believe that a lot of these white folks, some of their stuff that they do, they're not even thinking about it consciously. They're on autopilot. You know what I mean? It's ready of part course. of their framework. Where they course. just doing it. They might not realize it consciously until after the act is done, but they're on subconscious autopilot to protect their own. How, you know, a cop gets shot up and they uh, let a black, me, you, Ralph, or Elliot, not even shoot a cop, smack a cop in his mouth and see that we don't get beat down. You know? Hey, 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 hey brother, brother Vegas, let me share this one thing before, I, before y'all go because I think other people might want to get on. Again, another good example. Years ago, when I worked over in Jersey, I was coming home, and uh, this white boy, he was in a car right down there by Nathan Mark, and the white boy was driving all erratic. He was in a, it was two white, three white boys and one brother. The brother was a passenger in the back. And his white boy was driving all erratic, and, and, he, and the p- p- cop pulled him over, which the cop was well with him, his right to pull, because he was driving all erratic. He was driving zigzag. He was drunk. He pulls the white boy over. I never forget as long as I live. This white boy jumps off the car. It was two white cops. He jumps off the car, runs up to the cop. Man, what the F are you stop me for? I mean, he's arms flailing. He's flipping out on the cop and stuff like that. And all the white cops said to this white boy, Elliot, I mean, Reg and stuff, and, and Ralph and Elliot, young man, calm you down. Calm yourself down. Calm down. Man, if that had been a brother, if he didn't get his ass whipped or got shot, he would have been, he could have considered himself very fortunate. I mean, the whole time, all you were telling the white boy, young man, calm down, we can talk about this kind of, I ain't going to talk about nothing. You got no essence. He was just flipping out. And the brother, I guess the black boy that was in the car with the white boys, I guess he seen himself, he, he, was, he realized what, that, what would happen had he did that. So the brother was yelling from the back of the car. He was telling the white boy to cool out. And he was, man, S y'all, S these cops, S them. I mean, he was flipping out on them. The whole time, both white cops showed restraint, didn't, didn't physically abuse him, didn't verbally abuse him. They just talked him down until they got him to calm down, told him that, look, look, we, look, we stopped you because we was driving erratic. They didn't even make him take a breathalyzer or whatever like that see if he was intoxicated or whatever. Talk with him for a I'm watching this whole thing standing on the corner. He, they talked to the white boy for like 10 minutes or whatever, and the white boy was on his way. Well, I said, well, wow. I said, wow. I said, hey, hey, welcome to America. You got an example of the Just Us system. Exactly, Brother Ralph. Just us. Like what Richard Price said, you go down south looking for justice, and all you find is just us. And that's real, bro. That is real. See how people want to live in this fantasy world that it's just a post-racial society, even though we got the first Negro in the White House. All this here nonsense. Brother, this country is just as hateful and racist, like, like your guest from England was saying, uh, Elliot, a few minutes ago. You know, we, we delude ourselves with this nonsense. That racism is real, and it's, it's not imagined. It's real, and it's just, and, and if anything, the election of Obama brought these white races to the core. Some of the ones that have been kind of like in the, in, the, in, the, in the background, so to speak. This election, even though we know he ain't been what we think he should have been for us, but even just the fact that he's a black man, they these bigots like to have, have him to fit, man. It has it, brought out the worst in white people. It's so bad. Look over the Republican Party. Ben Carson's a real Negro, a handkerchief head Negro. Even those white racist conservatives who, who claim they like the black man like Ben Carson, they're not going to vote for him. Look how his poll number's dropping. Even though he's he talking the stuff that they want to hear, even some of those white redneck bigots, when they go to that poll, Brother Elliot and Brother Ralph and Brother Regs, they wouldn't vote for Ben Carson. You know, he's a house Negro. They couldn't vote for him because he's a, he got a man with black skin. Even though he, a, he a spouse, many of the stupid, ridiculous stuff that they 
stand for, but they'll still vote for a white boy over him because their racist bigotry won't let them even vote for a house nigga like Ben Carson. And, and that's Joe, real, brother. Joe, I want to thank you okay. for your call. And Thanks listen, Valley, peace. And listen, we got we got a new name for him from Brother Toy, and he said uh, coconuts. Coconuts. There you go. <laughs> Hey, 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 uh, Re- hey, Reg, you know what? Before I uh, let Brother Ralph, Ralph jump Ralph, in here. you like that, Ralph, huh? Oh, yeah. That's my new touch. I'm a co- Hey, I got a new one now. Coconut people. <laughs> <laughs> but let me, let me tell you something, man. And, and this is the God's honest truth. We, Yeah, he called them right. These uh, African-American ministers, they're backing down because they realize they've been exposed. They they was going after that check until they found out they were now that Hezekiah Walker and a couple of other ones starting to tiptoe back like they don't like Trump's rhetoric. They were just going there to speak to him, not endorse him. No, nah, they was going there for a check. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, but what I wanted to talk to you guys about, man, um, I, I, I'm listening to a, um, a Elliot's favorite uh, FBI agent on his uh, radio show. <laughs> Um, Al Sharpton. Yeah. And, uh, you know he loves a smile. I used to yeah. love Al. I used yeah. to love the fat okay. Al, man. But yeah. LA, LA loves the skinny Al. Yeah. Uh-huh. Go ahead, go yeah, ahead, bro. But, but but now he's uh, upset at Rahm Emanuel and act like he had nothing to do with Rahm Emanuel getting reelected. He took his behind out there and got those black ministers, the same coconut people, got them out there in Chicago to endorse Rahm Emanuel. Over that other cat that uh, I think it was a Hispanic dude. It wouldn't have been no better under him either. But, you know, and now he's tiptoeing away from the fact that, like, he had nothing to do with it. When we all know he went out there and met with those ministers to get that man back in office. He moved in. And he probably knew about that video himself. He moved in. He used to talk about it. He moved to Chicago to apartment so he could uh, campaign for Emmanuel for a couple of months. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, I heard he had one minister on there that uh, they were meeting with. Uh, in fact, Emmanuel called an emergency meeting with the ministers to kind of diffuse the situation about this tape being leaked. Uh, that the, the ministers claimed they didn't know about it. I told right. you, Ralph. You see how much information Elliot has? Yeah. No, what it, they discussed I, it on that program. No, nah, when I, he I was trying to dis, like I Ralph think, said, he was trying to distance himself. I think you want a phone with him. I know you got a lot of <laughs> okay. in your Rolodex. He, he he was trying to distance himself from this whole exactly. situation. Okay. Yeah, he, he, like he had nothing to do with it, and, and 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 the sad thing about it, and you know, you you asked the guest earlier, like, um, why are the people still asleep over there? Well, they're still asleep here. I still hear them calling that guy up, talking about we want to thank you for all you do. There's no need for COINTELPRO. You know, if you call in his program, they automatically got you, man. So, you know, uh, it's it's just it, – I, I, but you know what? That that movie today shows me that our folks are waking up. There is some hope. And uh, one of a million uh, black voters and contributors, it was mentioned a lot through that movie. And um, Conscious, that, that, conscious, conscious, conscious black voters. Conscious black voters and contributors. So, um, no, it was mentioned a lot in that movie, and um, I, I paid attention, and uh, it was really a good a good amount of people. But the thing about it, are we going to do what the movie said? See, it's, it, you know, th- this is my thing. We um, will in due time. We will in due right, time. Right. But this is my thing. Some of the same things that Malcolm X, Elijah Muhammad, and a lot of the, and Marcus Garvey, and a lot of the folks said, 
back there in the 60s, 50s, whatever. Some information's out there. All we got to do is follow it. You know what I mean? The information is there. But, you know, uh, they got these criminals in these buildings every Sunday misleading the people. And it's a shame, man. It's really heartbreaking. In due due time, you're going to have the right people, young people, because that's what we need, young people, going to come out and, and do stuff. I always didn't know everything. My parents didn't teach me everything that I that I know, and I ain't get everything in any college classes. A lot of stuff I, I got was through reading, listening to tapes, going out to different events as, as a younger person, and I eventually got it. Made some mistakes in between the time, you know? Had a lot of older people that I always used to rap to, used to always want to talk to me about different things. I used to just listen, you know? And then after a while, things start coming together. And, and, and I think we need to have that same patience. I, I want to put something out to the, to the brothers and to the listening audience. The, uh, something that uh, Baba, Baba Amafika was, was uh, featured prominently in the Black Friday uh, document, uh, documentary that we saw today. And, and, brother, and, and Brother Jim Klingman. And Brother Jim Klingman. Thank you uh, for reminding me on that. And Brother Jim Klingman. And I want to, I want to put something out. You know, we all have families and responsibilities. Uh, I think the primary responsibility has to be to 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 the, to the God, the Creator that you believe believe in, and to yourself. Because if you're at your best, then you're going to help everybody that you come in contact with, friends, family, and even your foes. You know, because you have to be straight thinking, even how to deal with your family, friends, and your enemy. Um. I think the you know brother I'm a figure has said this a few times and 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 I kind of take the, the same position and brother Torn has said something that resonated with me. You know, when we deal with white supremacy, we talk about white businesses and black businesses. You know, in my mind, I take information from all types of sources. Some some of the information I just don't let penetrate me cuz if I let it penetrate me then why am I even doing this radio program? Why do I even have a relationship with you and Brother Elliot or trying to do stuff for the people if I let a lot of stuff out here penetrate? I know white supremacy is real. I'm in within the system, uphold part of the system by some of my actions. There's a lot of things that I've been able to shed and and I'm able to be honest and do a self-assessment before I'm critical of anyone. You know, if someone would ask me, what are the things that I'm doing in my mind to hold white supremacy? I can tell you there's, there's a few things, you know? But on the flip side, in my mind, do I believe that at some point in the future, whether I'm alive or not alive, that we are going to be able to right this ship, black folks, where we'll get parity and justice? And I'm not talking about it from any spiritual book or anything. I'm just talking about from what I see the capabilities of what we what we have done from our past to the present and what I think that we could do in the future. Do I think that we can have do a lot of glorious things and unbelievable things here on earth in this space? Yes. And I wanted to see, you know, your take on that. Because I, I feel that, you know, sometimes we read a lot of things and look at it. I don't think the white man is everything. 
I don't. I think he has control of some things now, but I don't think he will always have control of those things. I don't think uh, what I see on TV and the media, I don't believe half of that stuff any longer. You know, I don't look at the white or a white person or white woman being the cream of the crop or the utopia of anything. Not for me just saying it. I know that now from my actions. You know, I don't look at black folks as throwaway people. You know how it is like, oh, here we go, our black folks. You know, sometimes that stuff overcomes me and then you gotta, you know, you gotta battle with yourself. Like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be thinking, you shouldn't think like that, man. You know what? You don't even know, you don't even know that brother. That brother, he might be coming at you wrong, but you don't know. You ain't gonna know what he's really about until you walk down the road with him. And if he if he steals from you, if he does something wrong to you, that's on him. But you can't go on it with the intention because if you go on the intention that that brother's going to do me wrong but I've been dealt wrong with by five other black people, then what's going to happen? He's going to fulfill that prophecy, but that's what's in your mind. So yeah. these are the things I, I think about, and I think there's a lot of stuff out there that we just have to monitor a little bit that, okay, we know about white supremacy. We know what's going on with, with, with our state and our condition, but... Why the hell are we going to talk about it? Why the hell are we going to give solutions if we do not believe <laughs> that we could topple this or this could be toppled, even if it takes divine intervention, you know, with us just doing our part, that we don't believe this could be toppled? If not, then why are we doing anything? You go to work every week, right? If you work for somebody, if you work for the man, or if you work with somebody, you go every week to work. If you get paid every week or every two weeks, or once a month, you go with the expectation that you're going to get your check. That's on your mind. If you didn't think you was going to get your check, you ain't working. So when you go to work for somebody, and you put in your 40 hours, whether you put in a true 40 hours or not, or true 80 or not, you still have the expectation that you're going to get your due. So if we're putting in this work and talking about white supremacy and talking about our position, our glorious history, what our forebears have been, been able to do with, with, with nothing, with what our grandparents were able to do with nothing compared to what we have. Then what are we talking about if we don't believe it? Like, why, why are we even doing anything if we don't really, this, this is the only, this is kind of like a pet peeve of mine. Why are we doing anything if we do not really believe in our hearts that we can overcome this thing to, to me to me to me it'll be ass is asinine if you believe that I, I, i'm waiting well i'm sorry i was I'm waiting sorry. to answer it go ahead my brother if you don't wake the hell up what makes you think you don't get exterminated like the native american we got history to prove that this place was full of them at one time you can't hardly find them anywhere now so what makes you think if we don't wake the hell up and do something about it, that that won't happen to us. They're putting it right in our faces right now. You've seen the young man shot 16 times and they hid the videotape. Now they put it right there in our face and what's going on. So if they did it to a whole nation of people, what makes you think that we're any different? If we don't wake up and do something about it. Now, that's a question 
to whoever asked. I mean, that's a question. That's a question. What makes you think we're any different? That, oh, that's a question for me to answer, Rob? Yes. Oh, Rob, this is what I think, man. I mean, it's no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just going. Tell you. I'm going by. I'm going by evidence. What they no, did to I, a I, whole continent of people, I, and I and I got that. So if you know that you don't have a gun, right? Which I got. No, no, hold on, hold on. We could have. We have guns, right? But we don't manif- We don't have. I have not been able to find a black manufacturer of bullets for the gun. We have a whole lot of black folk that have a lot of guns. And have storing up some ammo, but after that ammo exhausted, and we were gonna fight a straight up battle with white folks or whoever the enemy is at the point of time for our freedom or for us to just you know to be alive. We don't manufacture bullets. I know that we're in. I know that we are creative. I know that we can do a lot of different things, right? But I'm just saying that straight up, straight up, a straight a straight up thing, guns. On both sides, ammo's on both sides. On the right side, black people, on the left side, white folks, right? On the left side, they have a manufacturing plant. We don't have any manufactured plant on the right side, manufactured bullets. And in any, for any long extended battle, no, let me start this. For any short skirmish, any battle, or any long drawn out war, put it out that way to you. So I already, we already know that. I still think that we could be exterminated, but I'm not looking at to be exterminated. My mindset is always, we, you could stay in a negative if you choose to, 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 but if all our ancestors chose to stay, I'm talking about our folks, chose to stay in a negative, we wouldn't even be around here. If they thought that it was not necessary to fight, if, it was, if they didn't think it was necessary to drop legislation because we did have black politicians that were of their right mind that got in politics to do something for their people at one time. Who? Historically, you know, black, you know, that there were black folks that were okay, Republicans. I, 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 I know I'm just saying, you know, there was black folks that were Republicans. I'm not talking about the seventies. I'm talking about at one point in time. There are black folks that got that got you're in talking politics. about the 18, 1880s. Yes, I know yes. exactly what you're talking about. Okay, you have you have people that uh, don't like to vote, but they're in unions. Black folks that are in unions, right? They believe that their union rep is representing their interest, right? That's why they join the union. I'm just giving you examples of of the things we've had. Black folks that held top positions in unions for our people. And they weren't in it for pay to play. I'm just giving examples. So I'm just saying, historically, on the flip side, even at the worst, even at our worst uh, 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 state, when we were enslaved, we still civilized and showed our oppressor what civilized people were about. And then look at all the stuff that we have invented here. Why would you, why would anybody want to invent anything when they be, when they know that they're oppressed? And they're not going to get any money out of it. And they're going to get jerked out of their money. Which they why? did. Well, I'm did. saying, but why? Why? Because we're here for a purpose. Life. To move forward. And to become free. But I'm still asking a question. If it happened to a whole continent of people that were here, 
if and my and my thing is if the majority of us don't start waking up and doing something about it what makes you think we're any different than than this uh so-called native american well uh, let me say something in reference to that in, in reference to what you just said Ralph and reference to what Reg mentioned about having a belief that that we we're going to turn this around and and Toyin said the same thing when he was on that he has full faith that this thing, this we didn't get in this situation overnight, and we're going to turn it around. I I sincerely believe that, and I know that's going to happen. But the thing is this: if you look at the two movements that we had in this country, or shifts of our people's situations, the, the first one was slavery. I'm talking about since we've been over here, and that basically that whole situation changed overnight. And when I say overnight, within a period of maybe a couple of years, our situation changed in this country where our people weren't walking around with chains on their wrists and ankles anymore because we basically freed ourselves. But I'm saying that dynamic and the, the dynamic that caused that whole situation is something that popped up basically overnight to the point where this man was getting ready to lose his union this Lincoln, he wasn't interested in freeing those slaves, but all of a sudden, if the slaves escaped, he'd give them weapons to, to fight against the Confederates. He wasn't interested in dissolving the Union, but it was almost to a point where the Union would have been dissolved. That situation basically popped up overnight. And the other situation, dealing with the, the, uh, the civil rights era, and I want to talk about that uh, if we got a few more minutes left in the program. But these situations can pop up at any time, and the situations that can lead to some type of uh, reclaim and redemption for the minds of our people can happen at any time. We don't know how it's going to happen or what's going to cause it or what's going to be the catalyst for it to happen, but I know it's going to happen. And it might not take no 20, 30 years as we might think. It might take shorter than that. But in reference to what you were saying, Ralph, about uh, the Europeans and their di diabolic mind. We know that this man had been trying to get rid of our people since he first brought us here. He never envisioned that our people would be here living basically in this country at this day and age. That's why they never really made provisions for our people to be in society. They kept always having debates. Je Jefferson and them had to debate. They had a debate before that about how to get black folks out of this country after they're utilized. They didn't want us here. They tried to get rid of our people. They seen when, when they went into the islands and there was people there, when they went into South America and Central America, the ones that didn't fight and were killed, they tried to make a, a service out of them. It didn't work. The people died. They couldn't take it. That's historically accurate. But our people was here. And he tried to do the same things with us, even in servitude. But every time you look, our people were multiplying, multiplying. Sure, he seen dollar signs at the end of it because he could enslave the people. But on the other hand, he didn't want our people here. He didn't. They tried everything they could. You just mentioned that woman, Rich, that singer. They tried everything they could to eliminate our people. They're not going to be able to do it. Because they didn't create our people. I don't care what he tries. He's not going to be able to get rid of our people. He didn't, bring, he didn't even bring his behind here. 
He's not going to be able to get rid of black people. Now, sure, we got it. We got a, a mission ourselves to reclaim and, and uh, come back to our proper mindset so we can. There do, you go. So we can do what we're supposed to be doing as a people. But That's he ain't, what I'm talking about. He ain't going to try. His diabolical scheme is not going to work. I don't care what he tries. It's not going to work. In fact, it's going to backfire. And you see it's backfiring all over the world now. It's backfiring. That's an opportunity for our people to really rally and get themselves together. This man got all types. It, it, he's almost like a bathtub with holes in it. As soon as he put his hand over one hole, he has another one spring up. Right. But, you know, the thing I'm saying, and, I, and, and, and listen to me carefully, if we don't Harry, well, I'm not going to say Harry because it could be a few years. And like, you know, and Reggie said, like his consciousness came to him slowly over a period of time. I, I think, you know, God, that I met your father, Ellie, and your mother, because they were the ones that taught me about who I was and how valuable I was. So, you know, I, you know, I had aunts and everything down there in the South and I knew something was wrong with them from an early age when they say, we got to do this like the white man and we got to do this like the white man. And you stay out the sun. You don't want to get too dark. And I, and I knew something was wrong with that when I was like nine, 10 years old, like what's wrong with them. And, but until I met your parents and they gave me a, a knowledge of self, a somewhat, it was the start of it because it called, it caused me to start searching and soul searching and really looking into this thing and not, and, and I'm still searching, you know what I mean? I haven't completely found out who I am. I did the ancestry thing and found out what part of the motherland I came from, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, I'm still searching. I'm still seeking. I'm, I'm, you know, just because I'm a certain age don't mean that I'm a stop. No, I, 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 I got to continue doing it. And that way I'm open to anything that makes sense because like Dr. Amos Wilson said, for us to look like, for us to be uh, trying to be uh, um, uh, optimistic in our oppression, we look quite foolish. It's time to get 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 it together, get moving. Even in even in uh, our movement, the one that we, I, I try my best to do everything I can to make that movement work. Because how does it? Is each individual has to look at themselves and see what they are doing to make a movement work. So. Whatever uh, Professor Klingman asked me to do, I do it. You know what I mean? I do it. You know? And that's what I'm talking about. Okay. You know, and, you know, let my actions, let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. I know, I know you all know what that means. So when they ask me to do something, I do it. You know what I mean? I try. I try my best to do it. So we have to, like, stop with the apathy and everything like that or just, 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 you know, this belief system that, you know, uh, you know, this hippie is coming back to save us. We got to get our axes to the, we got to put our axes on the grinder and start doing something, start doing something. And I'm doing some things behind closed door for the younger folks. These are younger folks. And hopefully I can reach them. You know, it, it was quite depressing last week because I don't think I reached, but like a lot of people told me, you never know. Just plant the seed and let it grow. You know, God will do the rest. So that that's where I'm at right now with younger folks. But, uh, man, uh, we got a job on our hands. And there's no time to just sit around and say, I believe that this hippie through the clouds is coming back to save us. Because if, if that was true, he would have saved our ancestors before they would have gotten to this bondage. 
So, um, you, you know, know I, let, I just had to say that, man. Well, let, let, let me say this, too, because uh, we talked about it. We, we kind of – Toyin kind of talked about it when he was on. Marcus Garvey brought it up, and you see how they basically jumped on him with two feet until they uh, got him off the pitch or out of the scene, off the scene. Mm-hmm. The, the key is, and I certainly believe this, that we got to start having a uh, a pan-African view of all of this. And that's what's dangerous to Europeans. They don't want and You can see it. They don't want that. They don't want you starting to get commonality of what you're dealing with. Or religious people. They don't want it. Well, you know, well, the religion is basically Eurocentric views or Eurocentric Mm -hmm. view of religion that our people had. But, I, you know, Reg talked about looking at things critically. Let's look at this situation because Toyin brought it up about Boko Haram. Mm -hmm. Now, if you talk to some of our people that are in the know, uh, Brother Keedy's been on our program and others, Mm -hmm. and we've posted stuff on the Facebook page from other publications, African Globe and some others, that the one of the fastest, if not the fastest growing economy in the world right now is what? Nigeria. I thought it was Brazil. Nigeria is the, uh, one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest. It's one of the fastest growing economies right now in the world. Uh. Now, but then you've got this Boko Haram there. Basically, trying to destabilize the whole nation. See, this is th- uh-huh. this is this is America got their hands in this. It's clear. Uh-huh. But if you don't really look at news critically or try to get other accounts of news, you'll look at it with a with a Negro mindset and say, "Oh, look at them Africans over there. Look at what they're doing to one another." And sure. You got black folks that's running around calling themselves Boko Haram with berets and all on their head doing, <clears throat> doing stuff, but it's a puppet master behind the scenes. Like Red said, they ain't making these weapons, and they ain't making the ammunition either. They're getting it from somebody. And two of the main culprits that, that uh, provide weapons to people worldwide is United States and Israel. Also Russia. But United States and Israel, one of the biggest providers of weapon weaponry around this globe. All you got to do is look at conflicts around the world. United States is either providing one side or the other and sometimes both sides. So all of these things, all of these news accounts, all of this stuff that's happening, we got to look at it with a jaundiced eye and start looking behind the scenes. That's why we had Torian on today to talk about the perspective of what's going on over there in France and in England. Because some of our people, all they do is just spout the party line, put the French flags on their page, pray for (laughs) France. I I heard the president when he got up there Friday, oh, France is our biggest ally and and we got so much in common with France. Uh, Maybe he's talking in reference to himself. I don't have nothing in common with France. Nothing. So, I mean, we got to start really educating ourselves. And, and, and a part of it is, a, 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 small, a very small part of it is what we try to do every week. At least exactly. expose people to what's going on, expose them to people that know about different things so they can at least tell them. And then the people can look. They don't have to swallow hook, line, and sink of what people say. Go back and do the research on their own. Uh-huh. You know, uh, Reg mentioned about that, uh, that racist bigot, Margaret Sanger, 
And uh, I just want to let you know before we leave the air this evening that uh, Ralph's favorite candidate for president received the Margaret Sanger Award. Yeah, she Ralph, didn't turn it down. She didn't. Ralph stood up. Ralph stood up in front of his flat screen and was clapping and eating popcorn at the same time. <laughs> she didn't turn it down. I didn't hear her say, "No, I'm not accepting this." That woman was a bigot and racist. Her her vile her vile husband was the reason I turned independent. In the- <laughs> so uh, <laughs> you, got, you got you got turned out when you heard him play that sax. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I just seen the game that was being played on our people in the night. I said, like, you know what? It's time for me to. And they had the in, independent party. I said, let me be independent because I couldn't be a Republican. You know what I mean? Now, now they infiltrated the independent party. So it is what it is, man. That's why we belong to our movement, and we have our movement that we can. uh could just keep on endorsing until we get enough steam, man. So, all right, brother. I, you know, I, I was just calling in to say I enjoy the guests. I mean, but it sounds like America to me, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. it is what it is. And I was over there in London, so I know exactly how it is. Yeah. So, well, uh, <laughs> man, I'm telling you, we, we're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, we're gonna kind of wind things down. Brother Ralph, Ralph. enjoyed you being with us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Peace. Have a good night. We'll be right back. Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before you-
your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Exactly what is there in one million black folks united in their will and purpose? What is in a million brothers and sisters who are tired of the same old rhetoric, the same old leaders, the same old ways of dealing with political and economic empowerment? What's in such a group of one million blacks who are unapologetic about their identity? What's in that same group collectively and cooperatively? are willing to sacrifice some of its members' time, talent, and treasures for the uplift of black people in this country? Considering our relative position within the political system, it is rational to believe that one million like-minded black voters could affect positive change by leveraging their votes to obtain concessions from candidates prior to and after the election. If you want real change, Get involved with one million conscious black voters and contributors. The movement is now. Get involved and get information at info at I am one of the million dot com. That's info at I am one of the million dot com. Or go to www. I am one of the million dot com. Again, that's www. I am one of the million dot com. Get involved with real change. Welcome back. It's time for an awakening. And uh, before we wind things up this evening, again, I want to let you know about Time for Awakening Media. That'll be launched very soon. There you always you always see interesting content being posted daily. Lots of original content, blogs and articles, podcasts of the show, or black products that that you use every day and much much more so if you like what we do here at time for an awakening three things we just ask send us an email like our fan page on facebook and get ready for time for awakening media which will be launched very soon you know because a lot of people do it when you send us an email tell us some things that you like not only about the program but who you'd like to see us bring on as guests on the program uh we used to do a lot of that type of interaction when we were on terrestrial radio, and we want to continue that on this venue. So uh, utilize that email by giving us some suggestions on uh, future guests and people you'd like to see on the program. Also, you can go to our www.gofundme.com page. That's forward slash time for awakening and, uh, and uh, contribute uh, whatever you can. Anything is uh, appreciated and gladly accepted. That's www.gofundme.com forward slash time for an awakening. Hey, Brother Reg, um, yes. before we leave this evening, uh, and it's a conversation that I want to have on future programs and one coming up soon because it's a particular guest I want to try to arrange to speak to this issue. But this evening in the documentary, uh, it was a segment on there talking about integration. 
and the effect that it has on our that it had on our people and how it was detrimental. Um and you look at it in regards to other nationalities. You know, I think the whole um way that the majority of our people handled integration was from a mindset that they couldn't help and a lot of them might not have realized. You know, we talk about um, a slave mentality. Uh, Francis Quest Welsing talks about it. Uh, Dr. Joy DeGru talked about the post-traumatic slave syndrome. All of those things came into play when our people talked about or, or when they made a move towards integration. Some of the people in the documentary today said that our people wanted access, and they're absolutely right. But you see, when the access was given, our people had a mindset to run away from their own, abandon their own, and give all their money towards other people. That's a sickness. That's effects of post-traumatic slave syndrome or slave mentality. No other people do that. All of these other nationalities here have access. They can go anywhere they want and spend money with whoever they want. That's what some of our people that was a little more intelligent about their situation wanted. They wanted access like everyone else. They didn't want our people to abandon their businesses, abandon their uh, uh, doctors, abandon their own people, their, their artisans, and just take their money and give it towards other people. The majority of that happened through ignorance. Our people that were ignorant of really what was causing this. If they understood what was what they were dealing with, I don't think a lot of our people would have done that. And that's just me reflecting. I don't know how you feel. And we're going to talk about this on future programs. What do you think about what was discussed during that segment on the, the part about integration, Reggie? I've got uh, two I got various feelings on it, but I always look at it now when you get that information, whether you believe integration was a problem or not. I think a lot of our problem is, you know, how we look at ourselves, which was which was part of the integration problem. What we were always looking for as a black people to me is justice and fairness. That's how that's how I look at it. Um, when we weren't when we knew where they were coming from, we had to depend on each other. And I think we need to get back to that. We need to, we definitely need to get back. And we're actually being forced to, 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 to do that. We're being forced to do that. What we should be doing naturally. Uh, what I like to do, I want to read something real quick. And then if you have any follow-up, Elliot, you can continue. I think it'll be a good conversation that we can have. But there were diverse points on what we view today about integration. Some people felt it was good. Some people felt it was bad. And, uh, and it gave their opinions of, of, of why they felt, you know, you know, it was good or bad. And yeah, some people felt it was good and bad at the same, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to read something. Uh, we've got Dr. Robin Alston. She has a book, the art of feeling good. I usually read a lot of her posts and post it on my page and sometimes my personal page sometimes I put it on our time for the waking media page 
A process is a series of actions or steps taken to achieve a particular end. When we are in our lives is the result of a process. Whether we are in debt, disease, unstable, unhappy, wealthy, stressed, homeless, incarcerated, peaceful, or angry. A process happened to bring us to our current state. Most of the time, we are unconscious of the actions that have resulted in the life we're living. It's this lack of awareness that often sustains our circumstances in life. Nonetheless, it will take a process of becoming conscious to undo the wrong conditioning associated with our experiences. The undoing process involves first an awareness and then a commitment to ourselves. Additionally, we must let go of the negative interpretations of our experiences to create space for the positive. When we do, we release years of mental and physical conditioning and reflexes in the body and mind that no longer serve us. In truth, so much of what we hold on to is an illusion and so little of what we live is the truth. Be aware, committed, and liberated. Undo the process. Practice Ashe Yoga. Give the gift of feeling good. And her website is www.thepowerofaseyoga. That's the power of A-S-E, yoga, Y-O-G-A dot net. If you'd like to follow up and follow Dr. Robin, I just read, I'm just reading this because I think, you know, you have a lot of brothers and sisters who are very well read from a, a, a theoretical perspective or position, but they don't take the application of whatever is in your mind and whatever is consistently on your mind. And when it's rooted in your subconscious, it's going to come out and play out in your life in some type of way. You have the control of changing how you think, how you view things, and what it is that you want to see occur in your life. And I and I think this is a road that's traveled. It's not for everybody. I'm not saying uh, belittling anyone, but this is just something that I choose to to live. not trying to say that I'm being poly, uh, I, I got a Pollyanna mindset that nothing is wrong, but hey, there's things that I want for myself, for my family, and for my people. And the only way that I'm going to get that is by me thinking in a fruitful and positive way. That's just me and what I'm doing. You know, that's my consistent mindset of what I like to see for myself and my family and for my people. But when I'm having these thoughts, then there's circumstances that occur. There are people that are drawn to me and there's actions that I have to take. And, and, and this is something that I'm trying to teach the younger people that I, that I come in contact with that are in my family and not in my family that they don't need to put limitations on themselves. Most of the, a lot of older people put limitations on themselves and have a lot of negative thinking based on being beaten down by life and circumstances 
that have occurred to them in life. And what I've been doing for the last, since we had our uh, One Million Conscious Black Voters and Contributors meeting, is I've been doing some experimentation on my on myself, doing some things that are painful, brothers and sisters. You know, I actually went up to somebody and hugged them that I want to even do that. But I said, you know what? Just go ahead and do it and just move move forward. Don't it doesn't mean that that person, individual I hugged, and I'm talking about that's my family, family, black love. Don't mean that they didn't that that the, the relationship is repaired, it's gonna be the way it's gonna be. But for me to move ahead, for me to show the caliber of person I am and leave them room to come back and deal with me with two feet planted in the ground upright. I have to do that. You know, sometimes when you have a rat in the corner, I had a brother used to tell me this all the time. He was older than me and I didn't agree with him. So sometimes you got to get that rat room to, 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 to get out. And I said, nah, stop the rat, kill the rat. He's like, nah, you don't understand brother. But now that I'm, you know, I'm getting older and looking at things differently, you know, if we have information or we have knowledge or we have some wisdom that we can impart to brothers and sisters that are peers to make them li- their lives better, we need to share it. And my only thing I'm saying to the listening audience is that your thinking draws a lot of things into your life, the way you think, positive and negative. And I, 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 and I think the most important thing that you can do is start taking responsibility of what you draw into your personal life. I'm talking about okay, white supremacy is real. I'm talking about I'm talking about your personal and your and your circle, the people who you the people that you draw to, the people that you deal with, the people that you choose to be friends with, you know, what you choose to watch, what you choose to eat, how you choose to think. Those are things that you have control over, and you need to start taking responsibility for those actions and for your thoughts, for your behavior for what you want for yourself, for what you want for your future. But you're going to have to do some work in between. After you think, then there's going to have to be some action. And that's all I'm trying to impart to the listening audience. And when you look at another black man, black woman, and black child, don't always let the first thought that come to your mind be something negative. Well, you know, before we leave the air, Reg, I, I want to kind of... Uh, kind of or not expand just uh maybe echo what you just said because i think those three things that you mentioned are, are cultural it goes straight to the culture of our people when you said uh for myself for my family and for my people i i think that more of our people that adopt that mindset will become more effective in changing our whole dynamic you know it's a segment of our people that only incorporate one and maybe two of those things, and it's not going to work. Uh, some people just look it out for themselves, and that's a, that's a straight-out European mindset. It might be a segment that are looking out for themselves and their family, but care nothing about their people. I think that you have to incorporate all of that, what you just stated, myself, my family, and my people, to become effective. All of these people that we look uh, that we look at, even people, some of our people that are ignorant of things, if you look at the people that they are familiar with, 
Malcolm, Martin, uh, uh, folks all the way back during the time that we were in chattel enslavement. All of these people had something in common, which you just stated. They had to. If they didn't have that in common, they wouldn't have been effective in what they were doing, and they wouldn't have been a leader at all if they didn't care about themselves, their family, and their people. I just wanted to make mention of that because some of the people that we talked about lost their lives, and they didn't have to. If they were just caring about themselves, they would have never been out there doing anything. If they cared about just themselves and their family, after their lives had been threatened, they would have stopped. But they cared about themselves, their family, and their people. Because we can read accounts that several of those men's lives were threatened. And even some of their families wanted them to stop. And they couldn't. I mean, that takes heart. That takes courage. That takes something that we all ought to strive to have. That love for our people. Don't just look at them people and put them on a pedestal as icons like, oh boy. And some people disparage them. Whether they might not agree with everything King was talking about. <clears throat> they might not agree with everything Martin was talking about. But you can't take this away from either one of them men. That they cared about themselves, their family, and their people. I just want to echo that in regards to what you stated. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back next week, Lord willing to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Save the children. 